This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode that you're about to hear is live and unedited. If you're interested in watching the live stream, head over to facebook.com slash recoveryrevolution100. We record a new episode every Monday night starting at 7 p.m. Central Time. I don't even know what time it is. My name is Carl, the host of this podcast slash live stream, and welcome to Recovery Revolution Live. I don't know what time it is. My name is Carl, the host of this podcast. And we had feedback. Where did that come from? Was that you, Brett Morris? It was not me. No, sir. That I would never, so I would never do such a thing. Interesting. All right. Well, guys, welcome to the live stream tonight. We want to welcome everybody who is joining us from all over the world and the U.S. Uh, we have always a lot of people coming on to the stream tonight, and we are being joined tonight by Brett Morris, uh, Mr. Zach Small, and JR down there. Welcome, everybody. And we are so excited to have you guys joining us tonight. And our guest tonight is Zach. And Zach is an amazing man. Um, he is a Navy veteran uh, with eight years and two deployments. Zach is currently 34 years old. And Zach is one and a half years sober after going on a 20-year binge for drinking. Uh, Zach has a quite a uh, following here. In 2015, he is the founder of thealphacommunity.com which is a blog, YouTube channel, and podcast. And he also is the founder of Forebear Clothing Company in 2020 and the owner of Fraternity of Excellence, which is a private men's community. So, Zach, welcome to the stream tonight, brother. We are so happy to have you on. I'm pumped. Thank you for having me. All right. Excellent. So, how's everyone doing tonight, man? You guys are doing good? Doing solid, man. Thanks. Yeah, good, looking man. forward to good. the conversation, brother. All right, we got the fellas in the house tonight. Um, Ashley is off doing some school stuff, so JR is um, stepping in and helping out tonight. So JR, we are very happy to have you on, uh, and it's always a pleasure to see and talk to you, sir. So yeah, welcome. And Zach, I want to thank you for your service, brother, uh, fellow um, veteran myself, and um, uh, we appreciate everything that you've done for your country, and uh, thank you for uh, coming on the show tonight. Absolutely. No, likewise, man. Love it. All right. Cool, man. So, so it's Monday, man. Uh, January the 10th. We got a lot going on today. We've got a lot of stuff going on in the news. Um, a lot of uh, great recovery happening in the rooms. Um, I saw uh, Heather uh, give us a wave. Thank you, Heather. Always good to see you. Thank you for joining us again. And um, we have Ian. Always good to see you too, sir. Welcome back to the show. So, all right. And Zach, welcome to our show, brother. So tell us, tell us a little bit about um, your story and, and how you've kind of uh, come into recovery. And we also want to talk about your podcast and your channel and stuff and, and the um, multiple organizations that you've helped found and uh, currently run. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously we're talking sobriety and recovery. So let's start there. You know, the first I can go all the way back and alcohol is a part of my life. And the main points I remember it being a problem was when I was 13 years old, and I was suspended from school for drinking on school grounds. And from there until 33 years old, I was a binge drinking fool, <laughs> right from the first sip all the way you know, to the very last. And it's important to note that throughout that time, I didn't have any major milestones that told me, hey, you should wake up. Yet at the same exact time, I had every <laughs> metric as to what should have woken me up. So from 13 until 19 years old, 
I was basically, I was in my parents' home and drinking was something you did. Drinking was something that the men did. Partying hard, giving your all to everything. And I thought I was doing the right thing by drinking more, trying to outdrink people. You know, they want beer, let's do shots. They're going to do one shot, I'm going to do five. I was trying to prove something to nobody. I didn't learn that till way later. But at that moment, I thought that's who I was. I was a part of my identity. I was the party guy. I was the extreme guy pushing the limits. I joined the military at 19 years old. I joined the United States Navy. And that's where I really screwed my head on straight. That's when, and I'm not saying sobriety, <laughs> but me in my mission in life, it got mm-hmm. screwed up straight. I was motivated, energized, pushing forward, but I was also in that culture. So, and as you know, some of you are aware, in the military, you work hard, you play much harder. And I did that. We'd party till three in the morning. We'd be ready, you know, clean shaven, squared away at zero five, zero six, lined up, you know, ready for muster. And Amen. <laughs> no one thought about that. That was, that was never a discussion. That's just how it was. And that's what we did. And so from then I left the military after eight years, not because I did not enjoy it, not because I did not want that sweet uh, pension at 39 years old. I left because I realized early on I could not be a good father and a good sailor. I was volunteering for every billet. I was volunteering for every deployment, all IA billets, which even really Navy billets. I was just trying to go and serve my country because it was country, then family, then self. And so in that order, that's what I gave my all to. So I left after eight years. The mission went on without me. All of that went on without me. And it was in there that I realized I wanted to do more. I I wasn't going to be the veteran who just got overweight, addicted to painkillers, and then ended up living under a bridge. You know, because they always paint that picture of, oh, that's what's going to happen. I wanted more than that. And so instead of being the guy who says, well, I used to be somebody. I used to be in the military. I used to be the man. I was like, no, I'm going to keep that going. I'm going to remain the man. And so I started the familyalpha.com, which is my blog. And then I started talking about men and, and just being men and how to keep that purpose with a wife and children. And then I started, I uh, co-founded and then only became, ultimately became the sole owner of Fraternity of Excellence a private men's community where men are coming together to talk, how do you actualize that success you want to attain? You know, and then fast forward, I had checked all of the right boxes, man. (laughs) I was making money online. I had successful brands. All of my, anything I touched was growing with followers. My family was connected. I was coaching youth sports. We were winning championships together. I was raising, you know, my son and my daughter to great new heights. My wife and I were doing fantastic. We had everything locked in except my drinking. I was working my way to becoming a daily drinker. I created multiple six-figure businesses while drinking daily. I created, you know, great connections. I was giving public speeches, motivational speeches, but I was drinking my ass off. And I didn't realize I wasn't running to, you know, being that guy to lead others and have a good time. I was running away from a lot of my trauma. I was running away from something. And mostly that was fear. There's a lot of things I was afraid of that I couldn't face and alcohol helped me numb that. And it reached the point I had, I have to give a shout out to a buddy of mine. His name is Phil Foster. He runs philfosterfitness.com. That was the one friend who really gave me that tough love speech. He really sat me down. He's like, dude, you're, you are doing some good things, but this is going to destroy you. And you're sitting there talking about how to be a great man, how to be a great person and a good person. You love your children more than anything. You love your wife more than anything, but you don't love them more than anything or yourself more than anything because you're not willing to love them enough to give up the alcohol. And dude, that that shook me on a way that I can't even describe still. It's a year and a half later, a year and a half sober. And I think back to that and I, I get that nauseous pit, you know? And it was because I was being a hypocrite. And I hate that. That is, that is worse than being a bad person. 
pretending to be a good one. If you're bad, be bad. But don't pretend you're good if you're not. And how am I going to tell these dudes, you know, don't let the food consume you. Um, some guys are addicted to, there's various outlets men are addicted to. And I'm telling them, get over it, get over it, get over it. And I'm sitting there I'm like, look, I'm doing all these great things. My family's locked in. But nobody was going to challenge me because I was the guy who the perception was it was all together. Your drinking can't be that bad if you're successful. How many CEOs, how many bosses, how many great athletes have we seen destroyed by alcohol because they were doing fine until that one moment they weren't? And I'm here to tell you, brothers, I danced that razor's edge so many times. And somehow I'm sitting before you without ever having gotten caught. And so to kind of bring that full circle, on January, or July 7th, 2020, three days after a bender on 4th of July, because go America, you know, and then days later, I'm sitting there and I saw a photo of myself and I had just, it, it encapsulated everything I felt. I was, I was feeling weak, fat, sad. I was out work. I was trying to outwork my worst habit and it was gaining ground day by day, man. And so I hit the point where I was, I was sitting with my wife. We were sitting on the couch. We had four bottles of wine in the fridge. One of them was open in our glasses. And I looked at it and just something happened in that moment. Phil's words came to my head, looking at my wife, looking at all the things I'd done. And in that glass of wine, it's like that whole thing was, it was like a movie. <laughs> the whole universe is just swirling around with all those fermented grapes. And I looked at it and I was like, I'm done. I'm done drinking. This, this does nothing for me. There's no positive this brings to my life. And I tried sobriety before. You know, you guys are content creators. I'd made YouTube videos that, that had hundreds and thousands of views that said, hey, I'm sober. <laughs> and then I went back to drinking a week or two later. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. But this time was different. And, and, and as Ian said right there with clarity, 100%, man, I was holding that and I, I had the vision. I could see finally, kind of, because we did finish those three bottles, but we finished them at 1159 that night. So it was midnight of July 7th that I became sober and I've not had a craving. I've not had any withdrawal outside of, I couldn't sleep the first few days, but no withdrawals and not a sip, not a desire to sip, not a desire to drink. And then two other people who played a great role. That was Ed Lattimore and Annie Grace. Uh, Ed Lattimore, he's a content creator. Awesome dude. Highly recommend everybody follow him. But he wrote a book called Sober Letters to My Drunken Self. I believe he's eight years sober. And he's the one who let me know I wouldn't lose my art of writing and speaking if I got sober. And I was that tortured artist, right? I had that in my head. And then Annie Grace, this Naked Mind, the book she wrote, was the first time I read a book and I saw myself in it. And so through all of that, that brings me here to you gentlemen, you know, sitting before you one year, six months and like three days sober. Wow. Wow. Congratulations on that, Zach. Thanks, brother. I, 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 to I totally get it. I totally get the military thing. You know, work hard, train hard, party harder. I mean, there, I mean, there were many nights where we, well, many mornings where we just rolled in and had to fall right back out for PT. You know, and you know, I would get smoked and I would feel the booze sweating out of me. Yeah, like exactly. that morning workout. I 100% get that. Yeah, when when our platoon ran by you, you knew we were out drinking because you smelled nothing but beer and yep. and liquor. I mean, the military is not big on enforcing that or uh, even uh, offering the classes back well, back when I was in. I mean, because, you know, I never even heard of AANA back then. You know, as long as, you know, you got up and did your job, you know, they're like, OK, do what you do. And that was the thing. You know, and that's the problem many face is there's because I didn't have a DUI, because I didn't have any domestic issues, because my, my finances were straight. Nobody nobody questioned me. No, nobody asked me if I was OK. You know, because 
Those are the appearances of success. But one of the things I've been rolling with is you don't want to look successful. You want to be successful. You want to embody your values, not espouse them. I can go on stage and talk motivation and and controlling your life all day. But if I can't control myself with alcohol, am I being honest? That's Mm -hmm. what was killing me, man. That that was, I had a hard time with that because I do place a lot on authenticity and honor. And I felt like I was, I was sort of betraying both of those or, or turning a blind eye to them. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, in, in, in the military, um, you know, they, they in store and, um, give us our core values, right. Uh, for, for the Marine Corps, it was honor, courage, and commitment. Um, and when we look at those core values, even 20 years later, after my, my service is completed and, and everything, um, I, I still look at those core values as something that I need to try to do, uh, and now to the best of my ability. Right. Um, and so when I look at those core values and I was looking at my life, um, previously, you know, being an addict and active addiction and everything, um, it's, it's crazy to see how we change our perception on, on the way that we will keep those values that the military has instilled in us. And so, uh, for me, when I got clean, getting back to those core values, even though I'm no longer in the United States Marine Corps, um, getting back to those core values, but also getting back to the core values of the program that I'm working with narcotics anonymous too, you know, and realizing that just because I don't do something perfectly right now, it's okay. And, you know, as long as I'm doing it to the best of my ability and, and there might be times when I take a slight step back or, you know, stumble a little bit, but it's how I react to that stumble or that step back that defines me as a person in recovery or that will define me as a person in active addiction. You know, that's the thing, you know, think about what you just said, how many people will slip and they're like, all right, I'm going all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. No, dude. You got to have some controls in place, some friends, something to where if you stumble, you'll fall back one, two, three spots, not 35. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and JR, um, are you military service? Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, I, can't <laughs> I was going to say, say he's rocking the brand. That Is that army man? Eight years. Oh, the army. Oh, the we army. Have army Marines, Navy. Okay. All I right. think Brett was in the, uh, Coast Guard. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the odd man Coast? out. Are you? I'm the Coast? odd man out. No, no, uh, no military service were, here. Were you a Boy Scout? I was a Boy Scout. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, wait. What is the voice? Is it three? Is it? No, maybe it's three. Now. Yeah. Three. three? Okay. <laughs> In the sign of Spock. Gotcha. Yeah, that's one <laughs> of the things. That's one of the things I noticed when I went was out there that I totally, you know, turned my back on all all my core values that I learned while in service. And it wasn't until I was sobering up when I went back, went to the VA that I, st- that I found that, that brotherhood again, that, that, that camaraderie. And that's what really propelled me to get my shit together. I mean, cause you know, out there on the streets, you know, you you isolate, you're, you're alone, you're hanging out with people, you know, just as worse or, or just as bad as you. But, you know, coming back into uh, the military environment really, really helped me. You know, well, that's- what goes with that, too, JR, is, is the accountability that comes with knowing the person that you're the people that you're surrounded by. They genuinely care that you exist. They see you and they truly want you to win. There are a lot of people who I realized 
were my quote unquote friends, but they didn't care. I was their drinking buddy. You know, I was just their pal. But like if, if I needed actual work, if I called them at one in the morning, they weren't picking up that phone, you know, and, and in the military, you have that. Those dudes to your left and to your right, you go down, they're picking you up because if they go down, you pick them up exactly. and through the fraternity of excellence. That's that's was my focus with that com- with that uh, group, you know, to, to have a squad of men who are actually doing the work and putting the reps in several of the men inside there have chosen the route of sobriety. And they could, they said they could not have done it without the group because they had exactly what you just spoke to. They had someone who saw them and dude, even today, when I'm making decisions, be it fitness or sobriety or anything like that, I have like their ghost watching me. I have the people that I'm going to let down always watch. I'm like, I can't do the wrong thing here. You know, these dudes, they're going to see me and I've got to report into them because one of the things about me, I share my wins just like everybody else in social media. I share my losses. Very few people do that. And I would put, hey, guys, you know, I, I screwed up. You know, I missed the gym today. I did this or that, whatever. And I do that because I don't ever want to be exposed as something that's not real. Yeah. If you came to my house right now and sat down, I'm exactly who you've seen on the Internet. All the yeah. images, speeches, all that crap, all that stuff that's put out there. That's me. That's just how that works. And because of that, I'm able to have genuine connections. Like speaking to you guys now, it's much easier because I don't have any lies. I've got to keep track of that. I put online. Yeah. This is what it is. I just tell the truth and it's cool. That's why we're, we're sitting there talking smack, you know, before we go live. And it's, it's easy because I kind of get your language. You get my language. You can pick up quick with somebody who's real. Yeah. But if y'all were fake, you would have a hard time too. Like, oh, we got to make sure we say this to him. No, man, that it doesn't work like that. Dude, I love it, man. I love what you're preaching, buddy. Yeah. I mean, Brett, did, were you able to get get his video up? The one. Uh, which which the, video? The only one that matters, Brett. No, Dude, no. Make sure you make the right decision. No, Brett, you had one job, buddy. You didn't, yeah. you didn't send it to me. Uh oh. Uh oh. All right, no. that one's on me. I'll blame that one on Ashley. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, Ashley. Was it in the group text? <laughs> She's not even here. She's in school. We can't blame it on her. She's in school. It was actually one of the things that I've really enjoyed about, you know, discussions like this or just people who, and I noticed this in your past episodes, you know, you guys give just straight advice. Sometimes you'll skip the theory and you go right into like, Hey, I did this and this is what worked. And I saw earlier that Ian had said, you know, what tools did you use? And, you know, literally some, some very simple acts for you to take the act of drinking was missed. So if you have that missed ritual of drinking, I have found that seltzer or club soda mixed with a cranberry, a splash of cranberry. Mm-hmm. That's that's a made drink. You grab your ice, you grab your juice, you grab your drink, mix it together. You're sipping on that. I brought a coffee to every party I went to. And I was living in New England when I first got sober. So that's totally normal. Like Dunkin' Donuts is a thing. So we, <laughs> we go to a party at night. My wife and, and here's a good point. I can't believe I missed this. My wife, who's in the chat right now watching this, she quit the same night as me. So when I said all that to her, I, I implied it, but I didn't say it. She also quit. She's like, oh, wow. if you're done, then we're done. So both her and I would grab a coffee. We'd roll into the party. We'd sip the coffee as long as we could. And then when like, all right, shots, do this beer, whatever, we'd shift to the seltzer because we bring our own seltzers. And so to end, you know, just having something that will fix that oral fixation to have like something besides water or coffee in your tongue, you know, seltzer was my go-to. And then we started making fancier drinks. We would squish fruits. We would do all these things. Dude, we, we basically have, you know, just very recently, I uh, I became an affiliate for Ritual Zero Proof Liquor. And that's the first liquor that I've tried just to sip on 
just to just to do what everybody else is doing to look and you know have that fancy drink you have by yourself and in no way does it pull me towards the booze i don't like alcohol i don't believe in alcohol alcohol is a freaking liar and i hope you guys know how much i'm repressing the true words coming out because i don't want to start dropping bombs on your on your channel but man alcohol does not follow through on the dreams it gives you and to Ian, thank you brother i appreciate you enjoying the journey this is what it's about though by sharing it you know by putting that with you men if i had not gone public there are literally, I wish I could screenshot my, my DMs right now. Literally every single day I am flooded. Thank you for this. Thank you. For, whether it's parenting, sobriety, it doesn't matter. People are reaching out saying, thank you for talking about this because nobody else will. And so that's, if I had not spoken about it, we wouldn't be here right now. Ian and all the followers right now wouldn't be getting this because you three decided to do the same. I'm going to own my shit. I'm not going to pretend it's Sunshine Rainbows. I'm going to own who I am, what I've been through. I'm going to share with you how I climbed out of that hole. Dude, I, I cannot commend you guys enough because we need more of this in the world. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So, something we preach here is uh, recover out loud because you, you never know who, who your story is going to impact. I mean, if, if one person in the audience here's something that sticks with them tonight. And that's because you came out, uh, Carl came out, Brad came out and we share our, our story. We, I mean, we're not perfect human beings. We're, you know, we're, we're just trying to do the best that we can. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, and that's, that's where it comes back to doing it one day at a time. Right. And, and for me, even in early recovery, it was like, you know, breaking it down into sections of a day or sections of an hour or even sections of a minute. If I, if I knew that I was going to be doing something that was going to be really hard for me to handle, you know, um, man, I, I have uh, my my recovery keychain that I kept on on my key ring. And this was something going back to what um, Ian was talking about, asking what are some of the tools that um, we used? Man, that tool that I used was holding on to those keychains or the key tags that I would pick up you know, at a meeting. And so these key tags that we pick up at the meetings, I would put each one onto my, uh, my car keys. And so I, if I was at the doctor's office and, and, you know, and I was waiting to talk to him about maybe some blood tests that I had done or, you know, talking to people about things that made me uncomfortable, man, I would pull out my keys and I would sit there and literally I would wear the uh the na logo right off the key tag and i would wear the back of that key tag on so most of my key tags don't have anything that they say on it they're just a color you know and so with that colored key tag but i did that for two years until i got my black key tag for multiple years of recovery and i've kept all those man and every year that i i i get another tag at my year mark for that meeting um i take my old key tag off of my car keys and i put it on that 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 keychain and now it's you know it's it's pretty big now sorry trying to get my hands it's opposite from what the screen's doing so you know i'm trying to get my my key tag it started out short and now it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and i keep it on my wall you know at work to remind me of the journey that i've gone on because i also think that part of uh, the tools that we need to do is um that journey that we um have gone on and we have to remember the journey that we've taken because I think that if we forget the journey and all the pain and all the suffering that we went through in early recovery and that detox and, you know, and learning about ourselves and all the uncomfortable moments that we've had, then, you know, maybe we, we might forget why we're actually doing this. And maybe we're going to start getting complacent down the road. And maybe we're going to say, you know what, I have a meeting to go to tonight, but 
you know, eh, maybe it's not that important. I'd rather watch Ted Lasso. And as amazing as Ted Lasso is, we have to be mindful of our own journey and our own recovery. Who's Ted Lasso? <laughs> really? JR. Ted Ted Lasso is the most educational and amazing show on television right now. I'm, I'm trying to get my wife to watch it and she yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you it. asked JR. I, I don't know. It's, it's, on, <laughs> it's, on Apple TV. it's on Apple TV. It's it's a comedy series. It's it's hilarious, though. It's it's really good. Brett, back me up here. Thanks. I've only seen two episodes, but oh, okay, I'm well. trying to get Chrissy on board. I know she's watching because she was commenting, yeah. laughing at me being a Boy Scout. So um, we're gonna start watching that show again and hopefully you enjoy it. Yeah, hopefully she will enjoy it. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's we're we're not plugging Ted Lasso, but it's it's, it's actually a pretty good show. So. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I totally agree with what you just said, Carl. I mean, if that's that's what really helped me was uh, journaling when I started writing everything down because you know, like Zach said, you know, alcohol is a liar, uh, addiction's a liar. It's it's gonna it's gonna you're gonna it's gonna you know block out those bad memories and start putting forth those. Oh yeah, it was we had so much fun together. You know, and, and sooner or later, you're going to start believing it again, and then you're going to go right back out there. So I, I agree. I mean, that's what I tell people, that uh, anyone that, that asked me for advice, I was like, well, start writing it down. You know, I mean, remember how you feel right now and write it down. Let it fuel you to doing better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we like, um, uh, you know, we're only as sick as our secrets, uh, Ian. Thank you very much for that one. That is absolutely true. Um, <laughs> if it's a lame show, you're also to blame, Carl. Uh, yes, no, you're gonna love it. I, I promise. Um, but yeah, we we are only as secrets. We are only as sick as our secrets. Um, and you know, the longer that we hold on to those uh, secrets and we hold on to them and we don't bring them out and we don't talk to them with somebody or we don't share them with our sponsor, or maybe we feel comfortable enough to bring them up at a group level at a meeting, you know, um, holding on to that, you know, you got to think about what that's doing to you internally. What is that doing to your mind? What's it doing to your psyche? How many times are you going to be playing that tape out, you know, about how this secret is playing out in your life and what is it doing to you? And now we start looking at, you know, the destruction that the keeping that inside of you is doing. And so it's always good to talk about your secrets. So thank you, Ian. That's a really, really strong piece of recovery advice there. Yeah, when you think about, you know, growth and you think about sharing your story, yeah, I think of my thing, I have a lot of irrational confidence, man. When I say that, I mean, literally, if it was the three of you against me, I think I have a chance. You bring 100 guys against me, I'm like, I got a chance. I'm going to go. That's the level of confidence I have in who I am. I didn't always have that. I didn't have that because I wasn't doing the right thing when nobody was looking. And because that compromised my integrity, that compromised my confidence. I don't know if I'm going to be able to last because I don't know if I'm going to do the right thing because I don't, I'm not doing the right thing here with these booze, with the booze. And to what I was saying to Chrissy, you know, when she said that she was rolling and then she relapsed, that's why I write, you know, and it's, it's not, I don't write and I don't speak about this because I want to pick at a wound and feel bad. I'm not chipping up my confidence. In fact, I'm adding fuel. It's like that fire of sobriety that confidence I have with it, that irrational confidence to where I can take on the world and win. Each time I write and speak, it's a log on that fire. I don't feel bad about the things I did. I was a man who grew up in an environment where, where alcohol was the cure, the fix-all. If you were sad, you drank. If you were happy, you drank. Everything in between, you drink. I grew up in that. And you know, it's an addictive substance. 
I'm a man who is addicted to something that's addictive. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. It means my body works properly. It's doing what it was designed to do. My brain was like, I like this. Let's go more. And because of just my normal personality, I've just wanted to go all in. Dude, I went all in. I give everything I have to everything I do. I give everything to my wife. I give everything to my children, everything to my business. I'm giving everything to this podcast right now, right before you. This is all of me. And to, to tell you how literal, I don't know if you guys saw this little band. I had a double hernia and this morning I had it repaired. So I was under anesthesia, knocked the fuck out, had a full surgery. I told them I'm not staying in the hospital because of this podcast. I got out. I'm barely like balanced right here because if I lean forward, I'm going to fall on my face. But I told you guys I would do something. This is that important to me. And so I'm committed all into this. And that's a wonderful thing. People will read this. They'll be like, oh, good job, man. That's awesome. Thank you for your, you know, committing to it. Here's the reality. That's what burned me too, though. That's why I drank so hard. So people love to see the motivation all in. They hate the fact that when it's destructive, when it when it's blowing things up, lighting things on fire, doing drugs, going all in on that side of the house, you're too crazy. You know, and I was that guy. But, you know, back to Chrissy, that complacency doesn't build because I keep talking about it. I keep taking pride and look who I was and look what I overcame. A lot of people are still stuck and I'm not. And how can I help them get to my level? That's kind of what rolls through my head when I write and speak to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the overcoming part, I mean, that's, that's absolutely true, man. I mean, what my journey of recovery has, has been so amazing in, in the four years that I've been clean and sober now. Um, you know, I, I think I talked about this uh, either on my podcast or on the show last week. You know, I summed up my my existence as being an addict and being somebody that, you know, was going to work a, a, a job that wasn't going to really go anywhere. And, you know, and so I was I was content with this. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I was thinking to myself, you know, I really want to get out of using drugs. I was tired of, of the effects. I was tired of the come downs. I was tired of, you know, all the all the crap that went along with it. And when you look back and you think about, you know, where your life has gone to this point, um, it's truly amazing to see if, if you work a program, if you stay in recovery, and if you do the work, your life will change. It's almost a guarantee. I don't want to say it is a guarantee because, you know, sometimes maybe it's not going to work out, but like, I mean, I would, I would bet everything I have on, you know, if somebody's actually working a program with a sponsor and stuff and being able to see that change within your life. Dude, double hernia surgery and you're online with us. Yeah. I got, Hey, I got you guys back. Dude, that's, that's, and you're all in on something committed. You go all the way, you know, there's, it's just a thing. It's not even a thought. You know, my wife is like, you're insane. You know, I haven't <laughs> taken painkillers because I didn't want to be sloppy for this. So like, we're all in right now, guys. Like I'm literally and physically on fire. Like, like, it's like, there's just a flame on, on my lap right now. It's both sides. It's my left and my right. There's wow. a double linguineal, but it irrelevant. The yeah. point is when you, when you build that, that confidence up and you get that thing rolling, it, this is just a thing. This means lit. When I say this, I mean th- the surgery. It means nothing to me. You know, this is what we, hey, shout out to Jackie. <laughs> this is what we do. You know, this is who we are. <laughs> That's funny. You know, you give it what you have. If you stand for something, you don't stand for it when the sun is shining. You stand for it in the rain. You stand for it when you're cold and you're wet. I don't love my family only when it's nice and bright. If they're sick, I'm there. If they're hurt, I'm there. If something goes bump at night and it's going to come hurt them, I'm the one answering that door. 
That's mm -hmm. what we do. And it's easy to say, I love my kids more than anything. I love my spouse more than anything. I love my brothers. I would give anything for my, my fraternal brothers and my, my inner circle. But if you're not going to answer that call one in the morning, you don't love them enough to inconvenience yourself. Right. And that's right. a problem. And I would not, how could I stand and look myself in the mirror and say, I'm willing to give this all I have if, oh, my hips hurt. I can't go on a podcast. I'm just sitting down. I'm not being shot at. I'm not being, there's no enemy knocking at the door. I'm here talking to you guys. I'm very comfortable even in this discomfort. And that's something that you embody it. And to Ian, I've, this is, and I, I almost feel guilty saying this. I've never had a temptation to drink. When, when that switch flipped, and I, I talk about that all in, I'm trying my best not to be the evangelist demonizing alcohol. I hate booze. I hate alcohol. I will never drink again. I know you're not supposed to say it. I said that on day number one. And here I am 550 plus days. I will go another 550 days without drinking because alcohol is a liquid poison. I was spending time and money to on a liquid carcinogen. I was literally trying to get myself fat, get myself fat, give myself cancer and make myself weak and miss deadlines and lose respect while giving my money away and my time away. It's yeah. insane. That's how I view it. I don't like to go on those rants though, because it, I get it. Some people can have a sip and put it down and I don't want to blur those lines. Like you do you, but for me, heck no, it's the devil. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I, I have a similar thing. So when, when I finally went to the hospital and, um, right before I went into the hospital, you know, I, I, I told myself that this is something I'm, I, this is my out I'm being given an out and I, I don't have to use anymore. And so that's why I gave away all my paraphernalia and all my drugs and, and everything. And I haven't looked back since. And, for me, I, I, I haven't felt any temptation either. I, I haven't, I've had using dreams and a couple of them were pretty freaking real. And I remember waking up from one in particular and looking around my room and, and looking for paraphernalia, looking for the drugs, looking for the pipe. Cause it really felt like, you know, I had screwed up big time and I just get given away all my clean time. Um, but other than that, I haven't had any desire to use. And I, I know that not everybody, like you said, um, Zach, not everybody feels that same way a lot of the time. And they do have those triggers and they do have that draw to go back. And I work in the recovery field and I see it all the time. Um, but yeah, for me, it wasn't really that desire to use anymore. And, and, I, and I don't go back and I, I don't miss it. In fact, one of my normie friends asked me, he says, don't you miss drinking? And I told him, hell no, man. <laughs> Are you kidding? Like, no, this is the best decision that I've made in my life. Well, you tell them too. I still drink. <laughs> I yeah, drink water. Sure. I drink seltzer. I can have a soda. I can have all these. I just don't drink booze. I still right. have enjoy. I enjoy liquid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need liquid to survive. <laughs> I mean, think about athletic brewing. Oh, I love beer. Well, if you love the taste of beer, athletic brewing has zero alcohol. Have that. And then you realize, well, I don't want the drink. I want the drunk. Right. And that's that's where I take a different path than most. You know, and I was talking about ritual. Same thing. Oh, I, I love whiskey. Well, do you love the taste of whiskey or do you love getting smashed off whiskey? Mm -hmm. What are you really saying yeah. here? Because if you won't buy zero percent anything, then you're trying to get the buzz, chase that. And then you have to ask the question, why? Why yeah. do you need to run from this life? And or does it amplify? For some, it does. They treat it like a neurotropic. So I again, I don't ever want to pick fights with those guys because look. Do you, my, my, my co-partner and co-founder of Oak and Rock Fatherhood, he drinks him and I get along fine. And he's one of the most productive men I know. So I'm mm. not going to talk about booze in that sense. I want to talk about me with booze. So I just need to make sure people know where I'm coming at from this because I have a lot of friends who drink and they're awesome, motivated dudes. Yeah. 
absolutely absolutely so brett you're you're quiet today brother what's, I am. Well, what's uh what's are you what, everybody's, what are you everybody's chatty everybody's chatty yeah no, i was i was listening to zach's most recent episode um actually i didn't get to finish it all the way but i listened to about an hour and a half of it today at work and he was talking about uh it was the, it, they were talking about parenthood and fatherhood and um one of the things they were discussing he was talking about like being his authentic self which he's talked about quite a bit tonight on the show but i was curious like how did you find that balance or just balance in general man because that's one area that i struggle with because i have that same mindset of like being all in and i'm always going i always have projects i'm working on whether it's this show my podcast you know stuff with my home group work other commitments like i feel like i'm always constantly going 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 so like how do you find a balance in life or how do you i guess how do you maintain things because i feel like at times my life can just be completely out of control you know for most the biggest issue is they don't have a cornerstone to their personality to their livelihood to their mission and what i mean by that is there's not one rock that you base all of this off and for me there is so my cornerstone is family if this doesn't jive with my family i don't do this thing Alcohol didn't jive. It helped with that decision. My businesses, I ran them in a sense. I mean, dude, I started out in the corner of my bedroom and I had to do it at night because I refused to not see my kids. And I had to do it on certain days because I refused to not spend time with my wife. And there were, there were times where obviously I had to be like, Hey, I can't, you know, watch a show or go do anything tonight. I'm, I've got a guest coming on, you know? So she understood though. It was a give and take. There was balance between the two of us. But if you're just like floating around in a ship and you don't have a compass, well, then you don't know where you want to go. You know, you, the wind can take you this way and you're like, all right, I'm going to start a podcast and get rich. And then the wind takes you that way. Oh, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and we're going to, I'm going to share my mission and my vision with the world. Oh, we're going to start a clothing brand. The wind's going to bring you everywhere and you have no, you have no way to just grab the rudder and steer where you want to go. And you have no map or compass to decide, Hey, that's the direction I need to go to get what I want. So for me, having that cornerstone, I allowed to build everything from it. The family alpha was built around family. The YouTube channel was built around family, you know, but again, I knew my true North. I knew what my vision was. And I'm still not at my vision and I've done quite a few things, but it's all based off family. And if it doesn't work for them, it doesn't work for me. And so therefore I've, I've passed on a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities to go speak at places, uh, tour certain places, connect with certain people. Cause I'm like, you, you don't jive with my message. You know, we can't work together. I can make money off you for sure, but it's not about the money. It's about family. And because I focused so much on what was true to me and living my truth, the money came, the time came, the freedom came, all of that followed. And I just stayed true to me. And to this day, you know, everybody thinks more is better. Dude, I just, I just removed all non-contributors to my, my telegram channel, uh, 365 to sobriety. I have less members now. I removed 30% of my private group. So I hit my bottom dollar financially in order to provide better value to those inside. Nobody's lurking. You're active or get out. You're working with these other men or you should leave. You don't, I can't trust you because I don't know you because you don't share anything. And if you were to wear my shirt with my brand on it, or you're going to go out in public and say, hey, I'm a part of fraternity of excellence. Yet here you are doing all these negative things and stupid things, you would make me look bad. So anybody I did not know or trust, they left. And people would say, well, why are you doing that? That goes against everything that online says. Because I'll whittle it all the way down, family. If, if I can't trust you the same way that I have to trust my, if you could hurt me, which would hurt my family, this isn't working out. 
It's not about money. It's not about status. It's not about follower counts. It's about family. And from there, if you can build from that and for you, you'll have to choose what that stone is. But dude, we live in an age where there's infinite opportunity and therefore people choose nothing because they have so many ways with, I can go this way, I can go that way, I can go that way. Back in the day, I could go to college, I could pick up a trade. That I could join the military. It was, it was easier in the sense that there were less options. With the internet, everybody's trying to make money online. You know, with the, the state of society and our economy right now, people are kind of just grabbing what they can. You know, but everybody's looking either to double down on their commitment to the system or they're looking to break free. And for me, my family's better if we're free to live the lives we want to live, not the one we've been told to live. And so again, I just moved recently from Rhode Island to North Carolina, over 650 miles away from our support network, from our friends and our family, because in North Carolina, we had the lifestyle and the mindset that we wanted. And so again, choosing to do that was not hard because the cornerstone was family. My family's better, even though it was obviously stressful to go and do that. So we went, we did this thing, and now everybody's starting to thrive. We're settled in, we're growing. And so for you, you know, the conversation would come down to what it is that you truly stand for. What's that one thing? You know, and then let's build around that. Let's grow. And I would love to have this conversation, you know, on the side that we can go a little deeper in the details, but this is what it's about. We're now having a connection. Those watching are having a connection. You should be thinking about how can I apply the advice this dude just shared? Don't just sit and listen to the recovery revolution. Don't just sit and listen to anything or watch anything. Use it as a tool. This dude, Zach, showed up. <laughs> he said some things that maybe I jived with. All right, how do I apply it? How do I? <laughs> so that was Anthony that was giving a shout out to down there. He's a solid dude. But look, as you go through, how do you apply that information? Don't just be a well-read man, a well-listened man. Be a successful man. Actualize that by taking all this knowledge you're getting and putting it into motion. Putting it, apply it. I mean, Carl, you dropped some nuggets when you're talking about your approach to tracking the keys. Dude, yeah. leave little mementos. Stack those mementos. That was making me think of challenge coins, man. You look at all these, like, look what I did. And dude, yeah. anybody listening to you, I would hope would be like, oh, shit. I could have this. So every time they think, is this worth it? You know, maybe I should just go back. It was easier that way. And they look at that. Nah, look at look at how much I've done. I'm just having a bad day. And that might be what saves them. But it's only if they apply the information that you shared. And yeah. to me, that's that's the point of what we're doing here. Absolutely, man. And you know, and those those nuggets, like you were talking about the the challenge coins and you know, I I, I keep my my cigar box here. And, you know, and, and I've got all my, my, my Marine Corps challenge coins and stuff in there that I've kept over the years. And, um, I even got a, ch a coin here from, um, my, my rehab that I picked up when I completed the first phase of rehab and, and all of these little tokens and medallions and keychains. And, uh, this is one of my 90 day keychains that I always, I always keep a, a clean one because I want to frame these up one day and, um, do a nice display of them. But, you know, keeping stuff like that and remembering the, the path and journey that we've gone on for me is so important because, like I said earlier, if, if I forget where I've come from and forget the journey that I've taken, then I really, you know, I don't want to have that complacency. And complacency for me is probably the scariest thing that um, I could face right now in, in my recovery. And, and it, it doesn't creep up, but it just means that I need to be vigilant about where I'm at with my recovery. I need to be vigilant about my meeting attendance. I need to be vigilant about 
um, going to uh, my sponsor's house on a regular basis. So when I get done with a me- um, meeting with my sponsor, before I leave his house, I say, hey, when are we booking our next meeting? And I put it in the calendar. I don't wait for him to call me and say, hey, um, you know, let, let me send you a calendar and, and we can pick a few dates, right? I always make sure that I have that booking solid before I leave his house. And I say, if, if you don't have a booking time for me, then I'm going to sleep on your freaking couch until you give me a booking time because, um, you know, because that's how committed I am to my recovery. And I know myself because if I don't have that check and balance system for myself, man, you know, man, I, I'll be watching YouTube videos all day and I'll be sitting on my tempur bed with my feet kicked up and watching Ted Lasso um, for the 800th time. And, you know, and doing all these things, right? Because in my mind, I know that I can become super complacent really fast. And so I have to do things in a certain manner in order to keep myself in check. So making sure that I have that appointment booked with my sponsor, I keep a regular appointment with my sponsee on Monday nights, in fact, tonight. So I will be leaving the broadcast early tonight um, to go to my my meeting that I, I I don't have a commitment at, but I've committed to go with my sponsor or in, and my sponsee. Um, and then we do dinner afterwards. And so having this regular routine, right, and having that routine, just like if you're in treatment, in treatment, they make sure that you have a routine. They make sure that you follow a structured program. And I have to have that structured program within my life. But now it's up to me to provide that structure for myself. And it's up to me because I can see myself now doing things that I need to do. I, I don't need to have the guidance of a, a counselor within a program or I don't need to have the guidance of, um, you know, a peer support um, specialist, you know, because I'm new to recovery. The guidance that I use is my higher power. The guidance that I use right now is my sponsor and also, you know, helping to guide those within the program. I was waiting to comment until the big photo dropped. (laughs) Go ahead, Jaya. Sorry, guys, my stream deck didn't work just then. I was trying to switch uh-huh. back. <laughs> so fired. <laughs> uh, Carl, so, I mean, when you find yourself in the role of not just the best leaders are also students yeah. to see you basically the hybrid. Mm-hmm. You're with the one who's guiding you while you guide the next. Yeah. The accountability there. Again, going back to my point on ghosts, it's like you have to make the right decision. But guess what? If you don't show up in person, if you're like, oh, it's not worth my time, you start to slide, man. You stop putting skin in the game, which is your time, which is your energy. You showing up, you being there, that next dude's watching you. And here's the thing that I've learned about helping men and helping people in general. Mm-hmm. You help one man, that could lead to that one person helping 10,000 people. You yeah. never know who or what kind of influence that person's going to have. You know, a conversation that you and I have, a conversation, me and Brett, JR, we could have a conversation publicly. And that could impact one person. And that person can go on and start a global brand that helps millions of people get sober. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. But you do know one thing is 100% certain. If you don't show up and you put nothing into the world, if you don't throw a rope out there, not a single person can climb. Yeah, They can't get better. You will never offer anybody help because you're not putting yourself into the arena. You're sitting on the stands watching others. People can sit and watch us and critique, oh, you're sober? <laughs> Try it, man. Join yeah. us. Join the conversation. It's not a threat. Yeah. It's a challenge. Yeah. Like, do this. Come, like, this is a, a, a family-friendly, like, come on in. Let's get all hands on board. You know, that's just kind of how I roll. But it's important to me for people to realize 
you're putting yourself on the line. You put your nuts on the chopping block because you don't know what kind of questions are going to be asked. You don't know the standard you're going to be pushed to. You don't know if the person you're sponsoring is going to have a really tough time and they're going to dump that in your shoulders and you need to be able to react properly. And I, I said react. I meant respond because we don't react to things. Reacting is is not a positive. You're doing you're respond reacting to what they're doing to you. But right. if you have a proper response for them, right, you can help guide them. Hey, yeah, this is hard. Thanks for throwing that at my shoulders. Like I didn't have enough going on. But you know what? I'm here for you. And then yeah. you help them out, dig forward. What an amazing opportunity and thing that you're doing for that. It's just incredible to hear. Oh, I appreciate that, man. And you know, and you talked about that response too. I, I think that having a response is really crucial, but also a response that you can have for somebody if you know, and and I get this at work a lot. You know, I work as a clinical supervisor for um, a rehab out here and I don't always have the answer, even though I would like to think that I have the answer and early in recovery and in, in my addiction, especially, I always wanted to be the person that had the answer. So my response was either the truth or it was going to be a made up answer. Right. And what I've learned in recovery is that it's okay not to know. It's okay to admit to somebody else that you don't have the answer that they're looking for, but you can do the best of your ability to try to find the answer or to try to create, um, cor correct, um, what you're doing for that person. Right. Because, you know, one thing that I had to learn and is, is that we're not perfect and it's okay not to be perfect because that's what makes us human. And that's how they relate. Yeah. You know, to, to Anthony's point, the courage of authentic will literally, literally save lives. Dude, this goes back to my point in social media. I can't relate to the dude with a perfect life. And how the heck can you trust me to help him to your story and relate to you if I've never touched the fire? People can say, oh, fire is hot. Don't touch it. No, but what about the people who've been burned? They know yeah. why you don't touch it. They don't understand why. They know it because they have the burn. They have the scar. Dude, I flew too close to the sun. I was burned. I've been there in multiple areas of my life. But I share that so people understand you're not a bad person for having gone through bad things. And who you were does not dictate who you can become. Only you can do that. And if yeah. you aren't willing to accept that you are your problem, you're never going to get to the point where you understand that you're your solution. Right. You can solve your problems because you made them. Give yeah. yourself that power. Give yourself that, that just cheer for you as much as you cheer for all these other people. Don't yeah. root for me on here and then go and look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm shitty. I'm a bad person. I'm not that. No. Root for you. You're the hero in your story. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, and I, I love, I love the fact that you said, don't let that hold you back from, from your own potential. And so two, two quotes that I really love in recovery. And, um, I have them on, uh, two of my, um, apparel shirts for the drunken worm podcast is that, um, you know, do not let fear hold you back from your own potential. And my sponsor told me that, uh, about two years ago when I was applying for a job that I was really questioning, like, you know, Am, am I qualified for this counseling job as it was with a really big company, Acadia healthcare. And, you know, and I had a lot of, a lot of doubt because I was just coming out of an internship and, you know, I'd worked in a, a county rehab facility. And so it was going to be a, a big change for me to go from a county facility over to a private pay sector facility. And so there was a lot of doubt. And so he told me that, and it's really stuck with me. Um, because I, I, I listened to him and I took the advice and I went for that job and I was able to get that job and I was successful at that job. And it really felt great to, 
come across that. And the other one is that um, that I, I really like telling uh, new clients when they come in to our facility is that, you know, a lot of people come into a recovery with different backgrounds, right? You might have somebody that's been incarcerated. You might have somebody that is, you know, a CEO of a company that is struggling with an addiction issue. You might have an athlete that's struggling with, with an addiction issue. You might have a stay-at-home mom that's struggling with an addiction issue. And, you know, it doesn't really, it does not matter who we are when we fall down. What matters is who we can become when we stand back up and dust ourselves off. It doesn't matter who you are. What matters is that journey that you take to make yourself a better person and to become that better person. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we have a uh, t-shirt giveaway. Family of Excellence, graciously donated one. And you we just also blended like learn... three different brands right there. <laughs> I just want to point that out. That was that was like three different companies smashed into one. one. Fraternity of <laughs> It's four bands. We also can code. run your video. <laughs> Brett finally got your video hooked up. Yeah, let's okay. run the video real quick, and then we'll be awesome. the giveaway. Here we go. Video time. Uh, I want to win absolutely, but I'm not going to win at the expense of my family. I'm going to win with them. I'm going to win, and it's going to be like the tide. My friends are coming with me, and every man in this fucking room is coming with me, to include the ladies. They're going, we're winning together. All these boats are going to go up, because that's how I operate, and that's how I'm running my family. So when you see all these people telling you all these reasons why you should stay down, they want you to stay down. Especially, we talk a lot about the crabs and the buckets. People want you to do well. They don't ever want you to do better than themselves. Because once you start to surpass them, they're like, hey, get back here. You gotta try. I wanted you to lose some weight, but not all the weight. No, you've got to win. You want friends who cheer for you when you pass them. You want men in your life, you want individuals in your life who when you do better than themselves, not only do they clap for you, they come to you, they swallow their pride and they say, hey, can you show me how you did that? There are a lot of men in here, I'm willing to assume, have a really hard time with that. Dude, that's it, man. I love that video, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Was was the music, music live? No, no, I added that no? after the fact. Okay, clip. but I mean, it a... should have been live because that was. If I had somebody like dropped down from the ceiling playing a piano, that would have been pretty legit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe next time we'll get Elton John to come out for everyone. Hey, Brett, kazoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll bust out the kazoo. I'll, yeah, Brett, I'll throw a Brett picture up here. I'm gonna throw a picture up here real quick so everybody can right. see the awesome T-shirt that they are entering to win. Oh yeah, dude. Or bear clothing dope. So all you gotta do is comment hashtag forebear in the comments and you will automatically be entered for your chance to win. And we'll do the drawing live later on in the episode. So nice. stick around for that and we'll make it happen. Yeah. A quick That's point awesome. on that. You know, people ask why forebear? You know, and well, why did I make it the family alpha? Well, the family alpha is about me. That's where I write about masculinity and men, keep masculinity in marriage and keep masculinity in fatherhood. Why not fraternity of excellence? Well, this is VIP. You can't buy this unless you're in the group. So Forbear came apart because there are a lot of threads out there. There are a lot of companies that have a certain message and none of them really align with my message. I want strong families filled with strong individuals. I don't want to laugh at dad bods. I don't, I don't want to laugh at the wino moms. 
I don't think kids these days are a problem or they're they're annoying or the ball and chain. I think strong marriages, I think strong individuals, I think strong children is what we should be representing and standing for. And so forebear is honoring our forebearers, our ancestors. They did a lot of work to get us here. And it's our motto that you can craft the future by honoring the past. You honor your ancestors by investing in future generations. So honor your past and craft your future. Play an intentional role in raising them up. And those threads, that's that's me. That's what represents me. And so I'm not wearing Nike or these things. I don't go name brand anymore. I wear my brands or I wear my friends' brands. You know, every now and then if I can't find what I exactly need, maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll be something name brand. But outside of that, man, dude, we stand for a family. And again, this goes back to the point of, well, you say you stand for it. How much though? Are you willing to go out and start a company to build something that's not there for what you want? Because when I left the military, the BFW wasn't doing what I needed. The mm-hmm. Boy Scouts weren't doing what I needed. Nobody was doing what I needed. So I built a company that did it. And the Fraternity of Excellence has basically brought the military to the world. Except you don't have to deploy. You just connect with the men. You can build that camaraderie and brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And so when I don't see what it is I want to see, I build that thing. If for nobody else than myself. And that's just how we operate. If the only person ordering for forebears is me and the only person inside FOE is me and two other dudes, so be it. I'll burn it to the ground if it's being authentic. This is never going to compromise. I do not compromise the integrity of my values. And again, this goes back to what I'm saying about embody it. Live it. Live your sobriety. Own it. Don't just talk about how you need to get sober. You want to get better. Build it. And actually, big shout out to Broken Chains. I understand how hard it is to get this rolling. So I'm buying one of that dude's shirts, maybe more than one, you know, tonight. Because it's just cool to see people helping people. And when I see that in your chat, if he's taking the time or she is taking the time to come into your stream and comment and support and build you up and not just spam with, hey, buy this, but saying, hey, awesome, good job. You know, I'm doing this, working on sobriety. And then they have a business. Those are the people you want to support. Stop supporting Walmart. Stop supporting Truly. Stop supporting all these places with you. Put your money towards a company that stands for what you stand for. Mm-hmm. You know, through broken chains, that's what I'm doing tonight. That's literally, that's how fast these things work for me. I see it. I think it, I decide on it. That's it. This all happened within one stream. You know, and it can happen with your sobriety. That's what happened with my sobriety. Mm-hmm. And I do feel a little bad. I, it's not like a, a real guilt. I mean, it's not my fault. I can do something. But the the fact that it was so just triggered, like I was just so pissed and just, I was like, I'm done. It's over. We're not this. I'm getting off this damn ride before it crashes. I didn't go to AA. I didn't go to um, any, any formal program. I read a few books. I talked, I'm not knocking them. I, anything that helps people get sober is fantastic, but I did not use them. And through that, I don't have much experience with them outside of, I support them because they help other people. But for me, the journey had to be done my way. And if somebody's going to, if they're trying to do it their way and it's not working, go to AA, go to NA. If they're going to AA or NA, that's not working. All right, try something else. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. keep trying all these different things. You can't be wrong for trying a lot of ways to get healthier. Amen. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, and that that comes back to balance and and your recovery, and being healthy and taking care of yourself and and knowing, and listening to your body. You know, like Zach is listening to his body when when he does his um his repair of his hernia surgery, and you know we <laughs> it's actually hurting pretty bad right now. <laughs> yeah, okay. The fire's the fire's real tonight. Um, but you know, but but we listen to our bodies and, and we don't run away from you know, things that could potentially kill us, you know, like 
I was running away from congested heart failure because I was under the impression that I had pneumonia and I kept going to the doctor and they said, well, it's pneumonia, it's pneumonia. And, and then I it just got to the point where I was like, well, shit, I'm going to live with this man. And, you know, and it, it, it almost freaking killed me. So, you know, uh, part of keeping ourselves in check and part of keeping ourselves healthy, eating right, exercising um, to the best of your ability on a regular basis. I know that some of us, you know, we all have different bodies. Um, my, my body was definitely different a year ago, um, you know, than it is now. And, and we have to listen to our bodies. So I, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody needs to go out there and run a marathon um, if, if that's just not something you're interested in doing. But there's other ways that we can keep ourselves healthy and keep ourselves connected. And also we have to exercise our brain. So brain's a muscle. Not that it is. Keep that thing going. TikTok. <laughs> yeah. And and Ian almost died from a hernia or almost not a hernia, excuse me. Uh from pneumonia. Uh from <laughs> cocaine soon. abuse. Yeah. So yeah, man, I, I can feel your pain on that one, you know. Methamphetamine use. Meth is a horrible drug. Mind, body, and spirit. That's right. Mind, body, and spirit. 12 steps are pretty cool, my brother. That's right. <laughs> so, Zach, let me ask you a question, man. Um, how do you feel when you hear people say that the, the steps saved their life? How do you respond to that? If you hear somebody in a meeting, do you agree with that statement? Well, I can't disagree. They're telling right. me. <laughs> Okay. But would you agree with the statement that maybe the steps saved your life? I, I wouldn't say they saved my life because I don't even know the steps. Oh, okay. Okay. So <laughs> I sort of just, like I said, I, I just stopped drinking and it's okay. Some people have a, an issue when mm. I, when I, when I, that's why I actually brought it up because I, I want to put it all on the table for this discussion. I'm really pumped to be here with you guys. Yeah, cool. So let's just have them all the discussions on it. Right on, it's man. that. Because I didn't follow anything. I mean, even Ian did it there. Hey, the 12 steps are great. Okay, good. I'm I'm super pumped they're good. I know yeah. a bunch of books that are really good. I know a bunch of programs that are really good. I think whatever works for you, go with that. Yeah. It, but when, like, sobriety is not a personality trait. You know, alcoholism is not a personality trait. And similar to what you were saying, well, you could be addicted as a CEO, an inmate, a felon, whatever, and then as a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. All of those things are titles. Yeah. None of those things are the merit of your character. Right. They are not personality traits. They are mm -hmm. things you do for me. There are things that you did, you know, for the prisoner that you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't care. When I'm speaking to you three, I don't even know what you guys do for work. I don't yeah. know what your past is. What I know is the merit of your character speaks for itself in the videos I've watched of you on sobriety. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm speaking to. And so whether you used NAAA, 12 steps, five steps, two steps, you know, <laughs> you pick how many, you pick whatever program. Cool. I, I don't care. You're sober yeah. and you want to talk about that. So the merit of your character shows me you want to talk about that. You're yeah. interested in helping other people. That's a trait. You're a helper. Yeah. And so to me, it is that simple. And people get super pissed because I, I like things simple. Well, yeah. they try to make it complex. I'm like, no, I just stopped drinking and I'm all done. It, that's it. There's not much more to this. I wish I had more because I would talk about it more. And it's funny. Mm -hmm. I was talking to Brett. You know, we what we're doing right now is talking about a thing we don't do. But mm. only people, again, who've been burned by that flame understand how hard it is to get away from doing the thing. And that's what we have in common. We're not doing it. Growing a beard, dude, requires me to not shave. 
Mm-hmm. There's nothing hard about having a beard. I do literally nothing. Brett and I and JR do less work than you to take care of our faces, man. <laughs> we do nothing. <laughs> and a beard grows. I, I, I have to keep my boyish looks. I'm just saying, <laughs> you have to do something. So actually, if anyone's yeah. looking at work put in, you have more yeah. work put in than us. So yeah. for us, well, what do you do to stay sober? I don't drink. Yeah. But exactly. it's always that it's that unspoken thing of right. I used to not be able to stop and now I did. Yeah. And that's why it's something I do talk about. Yeah. And I, and I hear what you're saying, man. You know, it goes back to um, we we have to do what works for us. Right. And, and I think that that's what, you, what the point that you're trying to make is that, you know, everybody is so different that, you know, for me, the steps worked. Um, and, and when I brought up the question about the steps saving, saving your life, um, I hear that a lot in the rooms. And it's something that I necessarily um, have a partial agreeance to and then a partial like, well, did they really save your life or did you save your own life? Right. Because we have so much work that we have to do on ourselves in order to um, find out about who we truly are now that we've become sober, now that we've taken all these masks off and we've taken all the luggage that we're dragging behind us and we've dumped all that crap. Right. And so we finding out the tools that we can utilize and everything. But like you said, we have to do what works for us. Sometimes the steps don't work for everybody. Sometimes they might want to go to an alternative program. Uh, you know, may, maybe the religious part doesn't work for them. So they're like, well, I don't want to do NARAA because they're religious. So maybe they go into like a group like Life Ring or Refuge Recovery. Or maybe they join a men's group like yours where it is you know, a, a different type of support group. But I think that having that support for people and being part of a community is crucial if they want to stop um, using or drinking. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a 12-step community. But if you're trying to do it alone, I think that that can lead into some dangers and that could potentially be setting yourself up for failure. What do you guys think about that? I, I obviously completely agree. <laughs> You know, yeah. one of the biggest things that I have seen and that I, and not this isn't just addiction. This is just people. They don't know who they are. They don't have a clue. They, they are what they've been told to be their whole life. You know, a lot of kids are told to sit down at your chair. And if you're active, we're going to medicate you unless you can sit down, shut up and color in the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, so repress all that. A lot of people are told you're too aggressive. You're too competitive. You're too this, too that. Other people are told we don't do that in our family. We're going to college. You're not going to go be an electrician. You're going to be this. You're not going to go be a mechanic. You're going to be this. You're not going to go work on the oil rig, even if that's what they want to do. They're like, okay, I'll be, I'll be what you want me to be. You know, people mm-hmm. talk about um, they, they have pain in their soul that they run from and they never address. And sobriety, you start to see the skeletons and you have a choice. You can You can close that door and keep trying to hold it closed or you can open that sucker up. And just face them and be like, you come on out. I'm going to burn this skeleton from the dark into the light of the truth. And that's why a lot of people find faith. I, I myself, I was literally the honor grad of my grad, my confirmation class. Became an atheist, militant atheist. And now I'm back. You know, it's a Roman Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been a wild journey, man. And again, <laughs> I am sharing my story. People will have their own. But I went and I had to face a lot of things, dude. It's like... I grew up around a lot of drinking. You know, I have faced a, people think it's a, a Disney, you come from white picket fence. And that's not where I came from. You know, my mom committed suicide when I was six years old. And that, that kind of set a trend for like, 
the, the path I was going to be walking down. And so I overcame that and I had to overcome a lot of things. I spent five years in high school. I had to overcome how stupid I was, but I did. And I healed. And I went from the kid who didn't have a mom and a dad who was always deployed to a man who's running a brand focused on family and being present for my wife and both of my children. You know, I, I went from staying back in high school and still graduating like 317 out of 320. And there were like 10 special needs kids. And I, they out, they, they scored a higher than me for the GPA. Like, and yet now I have my master's degree. I went on, I went, got my bachelor's, went and got my graduate degree. Yeah. I, I overcome all the things that I thought were holding me back. And when I realized only I was holding me back. And when you get sober, you can't run from it anymore. You have to face it. And if you're not going to face it, you're not truly going to grow. You have no idea who you are. Face your past, heal from your past, remove family members who are toxic. Remove friends who are toxic. Remove all these other people who are also bringing you down. Back to that video. People want you to do well. They very rarely want you to do better than themselves. And if your parents are struggling financially, they want you to stay poor, regardless of what they say. Because when they start taking those little digs or taking those little shots, when you're like, oh, you got a lot of Christmas presents or, oh, nice new car, or whatever the hell they say, you know, you're like, you, why are you not praising? Like, why are you not clapping for me to go past? Like, I'm doing well. Parents want their kids to do better. If my kids have better vehicles, houses, what the hell ever than me, dude, I'm cheering them on. That means I built something well and I invested in them and they went higher. That's the goal. If you truly want to have lasting sobriety, you have to couple it with lasting actualization of self. You it, it can't just be one. You can't just say, well, I'm done drinking. My life's going to get better. It will to a degree. You'll have less calories going in. You'll stop poisoning yourself. But honestly, the real work is done when now you can see clearly. Now that fog is lifted, you can see, shit, this is not a great relationship I'm in. You know, this is not a great way that I've been handling my finances. My body is just blown up. I've got to lock that in. You know, when you do those things, then success begets success. The ball gets rolling and all of a sudden you're just cruising. You're like, man, I can't believe who I was a year ago. And you have people in your chat talking about it. You know, they've come so far from who they were. They were that person. But now there's somebody better. And as humans, we should evolve. But Carl, I can't agree more. Like, you have to do the work on you once the booze are gone. You, you have to know yeah. who you are. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So we had we had Ian Ian left. Um, Ian, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, like I said, it's always good to see you. Uh, a lot of comments from Ian tonight. Uh, good stuff going on there. Uh, one of the things that he was uh, asking about was there any um, was has anybody um, had any psychiatric um, changes within themselves since they have come into recovery? And um, you know, for myself, I don't think I've really had any psychiatric changes. Um, you know, my my therapist still says that I'm I'm batshit crazy, uh, so that's that that hasn't changed. Um, and uh, but you know, I I think for me the whole mental aspect was it was just to kind of become used to who I was becoming, because you know I would stand in front of the mirror and I would look at myself and I I would think to myself, who the hell is this? is is this guy standing in front of the mirror? And we talked about relationships in one of the past episodes. And, um, you know, my sponsor stood me in front of a mirror and said, well, what do you have to bring to a relationship? And shit, man, at that time, I didn't have anything to bring to a relationship. So, you know, sometimes when we talk about the psyche and especially when it comes off of drugs, a lot of times what we have to look for in a um, clinical aspect 
is that we have to wait for the drugs to wear off in order to see if there's another underlying disorder there, right? To see if there's something else going on in the mind that could have been affected by the drugs and that maybe the drugs have now brought up. Because a lot of times what happens is that people might be a, a meth user and now, you know, maybe they've developed a slight personality disorder or maybe they um, had has triggered a bipolar um, type of disorder that was, you know, hidden before they started using. And so, you know, sometimes that can be kind of a psyche thing that comes up for people. Um, but for me personally, I didn't change any um, anything like psychologically. I don't know about JR or Brett or, or Zach. Did you guys experience any anything change in your psyche? Mm. <clears throat> well, I've been... Uh... <clears throat> I've been diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, depression, substance mm -hmm. use disorder, and they kind of wanted to put me on meds. But I, after, I mean, a few weeks on meds, I was like, I can't do these because, I mean, I, if I'm going to do this, I want to be able to do it, you know, with a clear mind and be able to experience what I'm going through. So I, I kind of turned down the meds, you know, and long story short, I got better when I got better, you know, when my mindset got better, you know, my mind cleared up, things got a lot easier for me to understand. But, you know, I'm, I'm a dude, I'm, I'm a veteran. So, you know, maybe I'm not as good with emotions and, you know, relationships and stuff like that, but you know, it's, it's a process. I mean, like this whole recovery thing, it's a process. I'm learning who I am and that's what's important. But if, as for Ian's questions, uh, uh, I'm not sure how to answer it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can agree. I think I had kind of a similar thing to Zach where, I mean, like I, I, I hadn't, I was going to meetings, but I hadn't come to the realization that I had a problem and it took me about two years and then just like, it was like a light switch, just like, boom, all of a sudden I knew I have a, I have a problem and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to use again. So I can, I can relate to, to elements of Zach's story where it's just like, yeah, I'm done. Like no more. I, I don't know if this falls under psychiatric, but I'm way more peaceful. <laughs> wow. I'm way happier. I have a great memory now. I have dreams right. now. You know, like I'm much more consistent to deadlines and achieving things. My energy's through the roof. I'm a lot less fat. I'm a lot more focused. My recovery is better. Yeah. So I don't know if that's psychiatric, but there's a lot of great things that happen that make me just a much more positive dude. Yeah. Well, I think that that is psychiatric, man, because that's playing with your own psyche, right? The way that you that's view, what I think. Yeah, the way that I agree. You view yourself, you know, because um, part of part of our psyche is how we see ourselves. And, you know, part of that, um, you know, when we have negative self-talk or, or we talk down to ourselves and say, oh, you stupid, you know, whatever, can't you get anything right? And you're always screwing up and stuff. Cause that's the way I used to talk to myself. Like, I mean, it was rough. Um, but you know, I've, I've had to teach myself to, um, start accepting that, you know, like I said earlier that we're going to make mistakes and, and it's not going to be perfect all the time, even though, you know, the Marine Corps and the military and everything instilled a sense of perfection in me, right? When it came to our uniforms, when it came to making sure our boots were shined to a certain proper um, manner, making sure that our workstations were neat and tidy, making sure that our 
uh, foot lockers were neat and tidy, making sure that our wall lockers were neat and tidy, making sure that our beds could bounce a quarter off of them and, you know, making sure that we had hospital corners on all of our, our bed covers and, you know, and all the things that, that are instilled in us in the military kind of had to be undone when I came into recovery because I wanted to come with this military manner to myself. And my sponsor was telling me, but it doesn't work that way, man. You have to be able to learn to accept yourself for who you are in your own limitations. But also accepting my own limitations, I have to be able to realize that I can't let those limitations hold me back because there's always room for improvement and there's always room to do something better than what I feel that I can do today. And that's where it's living within that discomfort level and being able to accept the discomfort of living there and being able to progress and thrive, even if it's uncomfortable for me at that time. You know, there's a sort of a mantra, I guess, a slogan I use, and it's find comfort in the discomfort. It's like my spin on a brace the suck. Yeah. But if you spell the word discomfort, you have to write comfort. Yeah. And that's what you got to find. And that's what you got to focus on. Like, yeah, dude, it's hard. Lifting weights is hard, but you also need it. That stress yeah. is how you grow. You know, you die inside a comfort zone. You've got to go outside. You're comfortable being regimented. You're, you're comfortable in a military environment. So it's going to be harder for you. And JR, when he's talking about, you know, diving deeper to the emotions, you're easier being hard. Mm-hmm. And for many, that's the opposite. But for you guys, it's the reverse. Yeah, You have a much more difficult time opening up the underbelly of like, hey, here's how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. Here's why I'm thinking this. And that's harder for you as opposed to, hey, dude, just get the shit done. Okay, I can, I can do that. It's a hard task. Focus on yeah. the guidelines. Done. Yeah. Hey, right. but tell me, you know, how do you feel about this? You're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pump the brakes there, buddy. We're not yeah. talking about how I feel about that. <laughs> That's just, difficult. Yeah, Bro, you just were outside of the freezing yeah. cold. Yeah. You're sitting there playing with fire and burning all these things and shooting these guns, right. but you can't talk about how you feel. Dude, that's yeah. meant. And that's, again, that's one of the things I work with dudes a lot on is it's th- these perceptions of what it is to be a man and then mm-hmm. being a man are exactly what the two of you broke down. It, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. We'll, we'll be here for another uh, 45 minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell that to my fiance. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. There you go. Can we get that in writing? Because that, that could come in <laughs> later on. Um, yeah, but, you know, it's it, like you said, that discomfort and, and you know, pushing through in a military manner, especially, um, you know, is, is what I can really relate to from what you were talking about there. And, and but then... Because we're, we're always, we're taught not to question anything in the military. You know, Zach, if you said, Carl, I want you to go dig me a hole three by three and six feet deep. I'd say, okay, man, I wouldn't question it when I was in the Marine Corps. I wouldn't question why you want me to dig a hole. If you want a hole six feet deep, three, three feet by three feet, shit, man, give me a shovel. I'll start digging right now, right? It's questioning without authority. And that's what the military has done for us is when... And, and it is essential in the military to have that mindset. It's essential in the military to, to execute orders without question. But I think the hard thing for a lot of people when they come out of the military is struggle with taking that military mindset and now taking it into a practical mindset now that we're civilians. Because if you're at work and you give somebody a direction that they need to go, if they haven't been in the military, a lot of times what you're going to get is questions. Well, how do you want me to do that? Or, you know, wouldn't it be better over here? Or, you know, and things like that. And so, um, <laughs> you know, but, but you're thinking to yourself like, no, right? 
but we have to hold ourselves back and we have to be able to realize that, you know, we have to be able to interact with people and, you know, we, we have to kind of break down those barriers. And for a lot of vets coming in, I've, I got to work with a lot of the guys out of the VA in um, Yontville over at um, Duffy's Napa Valley Rehab. And we had a whole VA group that we did out there. And so once, once a week we got together with all the vets and, and we would just talk and, and it wasn't even as staff members because there was, there were four other vets um, another, um, uh, what, what, JR, what'd you say you were in army army? Oh yeah. That was it. Uh, one, one of those guys, green uh, shirt, man. <laughs> you got the red, he's got the green. I'm wearing blue. Like this right? just makes sense. We color coordinated, <laughs> right? The, that's not the boy scout colors. <laughs> Sorry. I, I didn't know what they get, were. I didn't get them. Need some gold. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, think guys. I think the girl scouts were green though. Don't they? Just kidding, Brett. Um, I think this so, is blue, but I am partially colorblind, so I don't well, know. Well, in, in the light, it, forest green. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so, you know, but but breaking down these barriers where we learn how to interact again with the public and we're also learning about ourselves. And I relate a lot of that to recovery because I had to teach myself how to do that all over again, you know, even being 20 years out of the service. I would say, too. And this, that maybe this challenges what you were saying, or maybe it's just a different way of saying it. <laughs> but the way we see these men, we, we see these people who are coddled their whole life as teens, then they grow up and then they become man children. They still, they only care about video games and eating junk food and all this. And there's just their whole life is built around comfort. And we can easily sit there and be like, oh, you need to evolve. You need to grow. You need to do these things. I see that with the military. <laughs> when these guys get out and they don't train, I'm like, you need to evolve. Yeah. You were in a controlled environment, but you're not any longer. You now have to learn to shift these things. You have to, it's intentional stuntedness if you don't. You know, if, if, and this is to JR, you know, one of the things I ask a lot of men, and this is actually from Anthony, the guy who was commenting earlier, you know, he said, look at your priorities. Let me just ask you a question. How many books do you own on finance? He asked me this, I'm like, oh, I own a few. And how many books do you own on fitness? Yeah, a bunch. And business? Yeah, yeah, I got a bunch. How many, how many books do you own on parenting? None. I'd never bought a parenting book. And he's like, why would you not learn how to be a better father? Why do you think you know? Every, like, why have you never looked at evolving into this? And I'm like, shit, here mm. I am running a brand called the family alpha. I've never bought a book that could help me better understand my way. I'll learn about money. I'll learn about my body. I'll learn about this. I never thought about the greatest role I'm going to play in the life of another. And that hit me. And I started bringing that into the conversation on where are we prioritizing other things over these things that we say are a priority to ourselves, you know, and that the connection, when you're talking about, well, how can I emotionally connect? If that walls up, nobody's ever going to come in, which is good because they can't hurt you, but it's bad because they can't love you. They don't know mm -hmm. the real you and you don't, you don't know the real them because you've not opened up to see how do they react to the real me. And so there's a stuntedness there. And I love, it's much easier for a military man to learn how to tolerate and connect with people who weren't in than it is for somebody who's never done anything hard to connect with the man who's been to war. There are levels of difficulty to this. The military has the advantage in this one. You just had to sacrifice years of your life and do what you were told forever, but you have the advantage here. So it did play out. And so that's always the challenge that I throw is like, yeah, like not only do you have to learn to, to tolerate them and not punch them in the face for being dumb, but also on a, on a grander scale, you have to learn as to why are you so frustrated that they are the way they are. That's a personal problem. You aren't in your world anymore. You're in their world now. And this has always been the normal world. 
you took a, a hiatus onto your controlled environment where dudes are just squared away and did their job. And so th that always comes with a little bit of conflict because they're like, whoa, you're trying to say I need to be soft? No, man. <laughs> I'm trying to say you need to get hard in the areas where you're weak. And right now you're weak with connecting with other people. Get better at it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I can totally agree with that. Man. Yeah. Should we uh, give away a T-shirt? I mean, if you want to. You want to give away a T-shirt? Let's do it. Let's do it. Have we had people? Have, have they been throwing down the uh, hashtags there? They have. Awesome. Yeah, let's give away a T-shirt. I'll put it back up on the screen again so everybody can see the awesome oh, shirt. And, and the music. I love it. Yeah, I need to get a little drum roll track. Get the Chevy Chase one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And the winner of the shirt is David Barnes, the creator of Broken Chains Apparel. All right, David. David. Right on. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I have a simple crash, but that's about it. Yeah, give us this after the show, and we will uh, get your information, David. Yeah. I think we have his information already. I think already. we do. We do. Yeah. Right? He bought that. You know, he put it that in because I said I was buying a shirt from him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good exchange of services. No, that's cool. Yeah, I bought a, a pair of shirts off him too. Uh when he did our first uh episode. That's cool. I mean, I love I love his I love dude, he's got some great stuff on there. Yeah, and he was he was an emergency guest that one week when uh when our other guests no showed. He just stepped up like two minutes notice and jumped on the show. Wow. Those are the people you support, man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I was saying about small businesses, people who stand for those values. I'm not surprised at all that this dude I've never met, didn't even know if he's a man or woman <laughs> until just now. This person, I had no freaking idea that they were that caliber of an individual outside of they were on your stream sharing those messages. I give him a shout out and come to find out he's a prior guest who stepped up for you guys. That's not coincidence. That's a fact yeah. of somebody embodying and living those values. Absolutely. Yeah, I think him and his wife work at a, uh, a children's uh, shelter, children's homeless shelter. Yeah, they do. Uh, uh, it's like foster parent kind of thing, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, I'm going to have to connect. Yeah, <laughs> he's in North Carolina, too. I saw that. We're going to link up. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think I'm signing off for the show. Um, like I said, I have a meeting uh, scheduled with my sponsee. And um, it starts in 30 minutes and it takes me uh, 17 and a half minutes to get to the meeting location and another three minutes to scout a parking spot. Um, so, <laughs> but um, Zach, it's been a really pleasure to meet you uh, guys. Don't leave. Um, I'm just leaving. The show is going to continue. And if you guys would like to catch any of the episodes for my podcast, uh, you can find them on the recovery revolution uh, live website on Facebook. And if you also want to go to my website, the drunken worm you can find more information about myself and the show. And you can also find us on any of your favorite streaming apps. So uh, JR, thank you very much for allowing me to come back on the show, sir. Um, I look forward to it. And um, are, are we making the announcement of uh, what's coming up for next month? Yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, okay. So, guys, if you uh, love the show, we are going to be moving oh, to nice. Thursday nights starting February 3rd. Uh, I am going to be a permanent uh, co-host on the show, and we're going to have Brett on here, and Ashley is going to be on the show, the lovely Ashley. Um, she's in school tonight, so she wasn't able to join us, so JR is stepping in, and JR is actually the creator of this whole program here. So, JR, 
again, thank you for all the work that you've done on this, man. It's been an absolute pleasure um, getting to know you over the past couple of weeks and uh, getting to talk to you and our crazy um, chat stream that we have going on. <laughs> going on off the air. I see um, Ashley in the uh, comments. Hey, Ashley. Yeah. Oh, Ashley, there you are. You haven't lost. You haven't left us yet. Okay. So, <laughs> Ashley, Thursday nights. If you guys uh, want to find us on Facebook, you can always hit us up on our um, professional pages on Facebook and also Zach's um, page and his website. And Brett will be giving you guys the plug over to all of his information before the show is over. So again, Zach, it's been a really pleasure to meet your brother. Um, hopefully we can uh, catch up offline. And um, I hope you guys have a good rest of the episode, man. Thank you. Take care. Go, eat, right. go, eat, go get some blue cheese, Carl. Oh, yeah. My, my connect with the blue cheese over at Black Bear Diner. Um, I already <laughs> told her I was coming. So she Zach, asked Mike. you doing okay, buddy? I mean, uh, you double hernia. I mean, that's got to be painful, dude. I'm good, bro. I mean, we've, we've had you for 90 minutes now. I can hang. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to segue to birthday stuff, Jr.? What do you want to do, man? Um, yeah, let's run the uh, birthday stuff and then uh, promote for uh, January's uh, sober shoutouts. All so right. We, well, so Chris and I can get a head start on that one. All right, I'll run the video first, and then we'll go to the slide for the January. All right, here we go, guys. Woo! congratulations to everybody that was celebrating a sober birthday in the month of december that video was brought to you by doing it sober if you guys are looking for awesome uh sober gifts and merchandise be sure to head over to doingitsober.com they have all kinds of medallions and and different uh memorabilia and stuff so check that out yeah the birthdays will be listed in recovery today magazine's next episode too nice yeah, and then we also have this fun little thing. If you want to be added to that list, look for that post. It's pinned to the top of the Facebook page. And just drop a comment, and we will add you to the January video. And, yeah, that's what it looks like. It's a GIF, and this is just a screenshot, but that's what it looks like. Nice. Yeah. 
anything else do we have any we have any more questions for zach or anything else that we want to talk about if did we open book man did we share share his links i have i have the the fancy qr code for zach okay that is a solid move man that's a links to all of his that links (laughs) to all of his stuff I'll do that because it's covering JR's face. I'll go full screen so people can see it. Bam, the QR. Boom. There's actually a lot of content that's going to be coming to that. I have uh, I laid off the blog. I've been working a lot on Oak and Rock Fatherhood, the YouTube channel, and then we're going to get that site running as well as my group, uh, just end of year items. So I'm actually looking a lot you know, forward to more longer form content with writing. I stepped away from it a little bit, and then I'm just, you get that itch, you know, you start diving back in, you start writing, and all of a sudden the words are flowing. So I'm pretty pumped to be bringing the family alpha back to life. It's going to be a good time. And again, it's just about, it's me. It's my thoughts. It's my views. It's my perception as to what's going on and how I think men, fathers, and families can better connect. And I, it's funny. Those were the pillars. I started this in 2015. So from 2015 till 2020, it was men, fatherhood, or men, marriage, fatherhood. That was it. Those are my big three, my columns. I love the number three. I recently added sobriety. And dude, when I write about my sobriety, it is so freaking personal and satisfying, like just so satisfying to be in a position to where I can write about this because I never thought I could. And to go back to me talking about irrational confidence, I truly never thought I would be that guy. I, and I'm, I'm actually, my throat's getting a little tight. <laughs> so I'm going to override that one. It's uh, <laughs> we're again, back to feelings, you know, <laughs> look, it's one of those things, but man, I literally never thought i'd be a dude who could say i'm one year sober that's how much it was a part of me it was a part of my identity it was a part of my habits i did it to feel good i did it to think good i did it to feel like a man i did it to feel like well, a party animal to feel young to feel energized funnier all these things booze made me that i was like ernest hemingway i was a struggling artist you know i came from this background and i i overcame it and i deserved these drinks and dude it was all a lie and I never thought I could break free from those chains. And to a degree, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever broken from those chains. It's just I carry them now. They don't hold me down. I walk with my chains in my hands and I show people this was around my soul. And now I fly and I can throw these chains over my wings and take off, you know, and to be able to do that. It's it's one of the most personal things I've addressed. And, dude, I'm talking about my kids I'm talking about my family. But to share my sobriety, that became a fourth pillar on the blog. I'm gonna be writing about it quite a bit more. A lot of a lot of a a lot of uh, connections of mine. A lot of people who are going through it as well, both struggling as well as very successful and further down the line than me. I've got a lot of content stored up to be released with them. And dude, it's just a lot of people are struggling. And to be able to write about that from a position, I wouldn't say of authority, but of similarity of shared struggle. It's like we're all sitting on the round table. We all see each other. We're all equal. And it's not, yeah, I've got a year and a half, but I, I was there with you. The only thing stopping you from a year and a half is just a year and a half from now not drinking. It's not a superpower. It's just time. And so when I see people like me who were like, I can't do this. I'm like, no, I couldn't either. And then I did. Let me give a shout out to Nick Davis, my Canadian brother, author of Take Off. Nice. Welcome. And a future guest. I believe. Awesome. Well, 
You want to wrap things up, JR? Um, any more questions for Zach? Who's commenting under the... I don't know who that is right there. What is that? Yeah, I don't know who's under the Recovery Revolution page. The, the comments that are coming in via YouTube look like they're spam, so I haven't been putting those on the screen. It's all a bunch of gibberish. Yeah, I've seen a few of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means. But we really appreciate you spending uh, tonight with us, man. I mean, that, that was some, some gangster stuff right there, man. <laughs> surgery, so, yo, I got a podcast to be on. See, that's, it's a that's, real thing, dude. That's the dedication <laughs> like, I demand from Brett, <laughs> Carl, and and Ashley. I'll be I'll be podcasting on my deathbed, Jr. <laughs> uh, so Ashley said, "What's your favorite part of fatherhood?" You know, there's a lot, but if I had to choose one, I would say seeing how different my kids are from me, but still seeing myself in them. You know, both of my kids are two individuals; they're living their own lives, and I'm I'm blessed to be able to watch them grow and play a role in that. But they're so different from who I am, and yet I see myself in them every day. And it's just, it's an incredible thing. It's very hard to describe, and I'm, I'm trying to do my best now for you. But to see somebody who's not you, yet they're the best of you, yeah. dude, there's nothing greater. Like, they are literally the best of me, and they're taking it in their own direction, doing their own version of life. And I, I, I could not be more proud of the two of them, both my son and my daughter. It's an amazing thing. And I just am very fortunate to have a front row seat to their growth. I love it, man. I love it. You just let yourself be vulnerable right there, buddy. <laughs> I have to, dude. It only works this way. This is yeah. I only have one one mode, man. It is this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hurting. So I'm actually, this is a kind of like a, a, a condensed, you know, a little bit lower level me because <laughs> I'm just trying to push through right now. Okay. We'll wrap it up. All right. Yeah. Let's let's close out, guys. Thank you for tuning into Recovery Revolution Live. We will be back again next Monday. Uh, I can't remember who the guest is, but anyway, uh, please be sure to share this video with people if you found it interesting, useful, helpful. And um, the audio version of this broadcast will be available about an hour after we wrap things up. So if you're looking for that, you can type Recovery Revolution in your favorite podcast player and you can find it, subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff. Uh, I also have my own podcast with uh, new episodes every Wednesday called recovery survey. It's a little bit shorter than this. It's usually about 30 minute episodes. I have different guests. Um, they're struggling with all kinds of different recovery uh, uh, or from, from different types of addiction. Um, this week, my guest is named Sue and she is overcoming an eating disorder and childhood sexual abuse. Uh, it's a really great episode. Uh, it's kind of difficult. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of tough stuff that we talk about, but it's a, it's a great episode. So if that's something that you'd be interested in, you can find that at recovery survey until next week. I, yeah, we'll see you next week. Remember guys, progress, not perfection. <laughs>